You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I'm going to be having a guest with us. And here's the thing. Entrepreneurs make things happen. They do their best to make things for themselves and what they want because they truly believe that if they do that, it's going to make things easier for other people. And and if it can make things easier for other people, we can facilitate progress in our lives and in our goals. They see holes in the market. That's that's one of the best things about entrepreneurs, seeing holes in the markets, and they do their best to fill them. And one of those entrepreneurs is on the show today. He's the founder of Legion. He has multiple best-selling books, including Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, and Muscle for Life sold nearly 2 million books. Congratulations on that. Been featured in many things and is the host of a podcast called Muscle for Life. So when I have podcast hosts on the show, sometimes it flips. I start to get questions like because the host can't stop hosting. So <laughs> I want you to uh, well, I want to welcome a guest here that's going to be with us today. We've got Mike Matthews of Legion Fitness. Mike, nice to have you with us. Thanks for having me. I promise to be a good guest. Yes. No counter, <laughs> no counter interrogations. I appreciate, you know, it's funny. We have a, we have a different podcast on the NASM network. And when I have people on the show, like Darlene Marshall, who does our wellness coaching podcast, a positive psychology practitioner, it really does. I'll ask her a few questions and all of a sudden they come back at me and I'm like, wait a minute, time out, time out, back up back up so i know you'll be great but you know as the host if you talk too much then listeners get annoyed and because i've gotten those emails so i've had to learn as a host you ask your question and you shut up that's mostly what you do all right gauntlet thrown this is (laughs) what i have to be like hey rick you ask the question let me talk okay (laughs) all right mike well this will be your opportunity to talk because i guess you, you when you were asking the questions and you unleash and let people go um, I'm going to do that with you right now. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let you unleash because I want you to tell our audience a little bit about you, your background, and then, and then move into that lead in that I pushed out there, which was, uh, that, you know, the initial point of dipping your toe into entrepreneurship and what that has now turned into. Sure. Absolutely. So for me, uh, fitness personally started when I was, uh, well, I guess it started as a kid playing sports, but, but strength training started at 17 or 18 or so. Uh, I played sports. I played a fair amount of ice hockey. That's what I got into. And when I stopped playing hockey, I wanted to keep doing something um, and got into strength training and uh, did that for several years, knew that I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, did, did what most 18 year old, 17, eight year old dudes uh, probably still do. Uh, and that is pick up, maybe it's not so many mag- magazines now, maybe it's more go to social media, but when I was 17, 18, it was pick up some bodybuilding magazines, yeah. find find a workout program that seemed semi-reasonable, start doing it, recruit some friends and you just start doing it and, and have fun with it. Uh, newbie gains makes basically anything fun for the first six right. to 12 months. So it was cool. Um, didn't train legs at all. Of course, it was mostly just a bunch <laughs> of upper body training. I, yeah, I'll get around to legs. I'll start, I'll start soon. And, um, and made, made decent progress for the first year or so again, mostly just because of newbie gains. And, uh, from there progress slowed down, but I had come to enjoy working out, enjoy the routine. And, uh, so I, so I stuck with it, but I, I didn't really educate myself, uh, much beyond checking the magazines every couple of months and just trying new things. And I guess, I guess because part of it, it it was partly a social activity I would do with friends. And so I I was not so concerned with maximizing results per se. It was just kind of something fun that we did and I was seeing some gains. And so that was enough motivation to keep doing it. Um, But then you fast forward six or seven years and from, from let's just say year two to seven, I had made some progress, but to just put numbers to it, uh, seven years of weightlifting, I probably gained no more than 25 pounds of muscle, 20 to 25 pounds, which is not bad. If we go from 
starting to plus 25 pounds of muscle. However, um, that, 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 that's not very good for seven years of consistent work. Uh, now, based on what I know, uh, in seven years from, from starting from nothing, you can gain more or less all of the muscle and most of the strength that's gene genetically available to you. And so, uh, at that point I decided to take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, at least again, I, I knew that I didn't know. I didn't think that I knew more mm -hmm. than I did. And so I started to educate myself both on the diet and the training side of things looked, uh, more toward what was in the scientific literature, which at that time was more robust in nutrition than training. However, fortunately early on, I found, um, some evidence-based practitioners like Lyle McDonald learned a lot from him, um, Alan Aragon and others. Yeah. And with that understanding put together a new kind of diet uh, approach, um, based on energy balance, macronutrient balance and food, food selections and, and put together a new training program, which was more free weights than machines. It was a bit heavier weights and it was centered around progressive overload. And then over the next couple of years, I, I, I experienced a pretty profound transformation in my physique. So, um, I gained over the next couple of years, probably another 15 pounds of muscle and, and also got quite lean for, for the first time, probably down to maybe seven or 8% body fat. Oh, yeah. And, and so I, um, I felt like I, I had a, I had a method here that I could teach. And at the time, somebody I was working out with, he, he was joking that, um, I should just take my shirt off. I should go on YouTube. He said, and take my shirt off and sell things. That's what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and that, that just didn't appeal to me. So, uh, I didn't, I didn't go down that route, fortunately. And instead I wrote a book because at the time Amazon's, did you write it with your shirt off though? Um, I, I am on one of my books with my shirt off, which oh, okay, there. I, I thought that was a good idea at the time. Now yeah. I'm thinking, it's the cookbook. Now I'm thinking <laughs> it wasn't such a great idea, uh, but I don't know, maybe it's helped. I know it's, it's, it's probably helped and hurt because I, I've gotten many emails over the years, um, mostly from women who have said they wanted to buy the cookbook, but they didn't feel comfortable having a cookbook uh, with a shirtless guy in, in their, uh, in their, in their kitchen, which I understand. It makes people question why they really got the book. I think that's what they, they didn't want that projection. Correct. So, um, I, I probably, I probably, I probably could have, could have thought a little bit more about that, but, um, anyway, so, so I was, uh, I heard about Amazon self-publishing platform and it was getting a lot mm. of press because at the time there was a guy named John Locke, a pen name, of course. Um, and he was the first guy on Amazon's self-publishing platform to sell a million books. That was, that was mm. his claim to fame. And, um, and so they were using that as, as a, as a publicity caper to promote their self-publishing platform. And so that was interesting to me because I have always been a ardent reader. I've always liked books. Uh, I had an interest in, in writing books. And so I figured that, um, that's something that is just more inherently interesting to me also in, in you had mentioned in your, in your opening, um, I, I saw there was a gap in the market place for the type of book that I wanted to write, which was bigger, leaner, stronger, which really was the book that, um, I talk about scratching my own itch. This was the book that I wished somebody would have just given me when I was 17, 18, getting into this and saying, Hey, you can learn, you could spend years and years and years, uh, learning about all of this stuff. However, uh, the, mi the minority of the things that you can learn are going to produce the majority of your results that you can get out of this and the 20% that produces the 80%, right? Well, here is that 20%. This isn't necessarily everything that you need to learn. If your goals are to, let's say, um, be a competitive strength athlete, or maybe be a, even a competitive physique athlete. But if you just want to get into great shape, if you want to get strong by objective standards, you want to do it, maybe going to the gym three to five hours a week. You want to not get hurt, et cetera, et cetera. This is really all you need to know. And if you want to learn more, go learn more, but here's the blueprint. And so that was bigger, leaner, stronger. And I've, I've revised it. I actually recently released my fourth edition. So I've continued to revise it over the years okay. based on 
um, my my evolving understanding of things and a lot of really good feedback from readers. Uh, but that's that's how it started for me. It was with um, with that bigger, leaner, stronger book. And I'll stop there if you want to follow up with any questions before we talk. I about do. It. First of all, is there an audio version of that book? Because you do a great job. You have a podcast. Like your your voice is meant for it, right? Um, is that something that is out there in the ether somewhere? Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, the audio book is with audible and it is exclusive with audible because nice. I set it up like that some time ago and you get better royalties and that's just the way it is for now. Maybe it'll change in the future. And ironically, however, with this fourth edition, I did not record it myself only because of time constraints. Um, yeah. because of, I also am publishing with Simon and Schuster and I'm working on another project with them. And because of the window that they gave me to release this fourth edition, we had to get the audiobook done faster than I was going to be able to do it. And so okay. uh, I did I did hire a, somebody to record that. However, I have a, a mental note that I may want to circle back around to that. It, it would be sometime next year and record it myself just to have it recorded by me. But um, yeah. currently it's not recorded by me. I will say this, that there's something, I don't know, just as a, a regular Audible listener where I get two books a month from Audible. And and usually what I do is I do one learning book and one like brain candy book. Yep. And um, it's funny, I think about that from an author standpoint. When I listen to an author, they don't even have to be delightfully good at, at reading it. It's just me knowing that they're the people that wrote it. It feels right. Um, do you listen to the other person who's reading the book and are you like, that is really good. You know, are you, <laughs> do you think, well, maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I actually agree from a marketing standpoint, uh, it makes more sense. And in the past I've recorded all of my, uh, audio books. Yeah. And, um, so, so I do agree. I think, I think it's better, better marketing, uh, to have the, the author read it. It does feel a bit more personal. It also, it helps create a, a deeper connection between the listener um, and the author yeah. and that matters. Um, so, so I, I wasn't happy about outsourcing it, but again, didn't really have a choice because I know how much time it takes to record an audiobook and, and the book is, is long ish. I think it's probably about a hundred thousand words. And so just, just oh, understanding wow. the time commitment at the time of when it needed to get done, um, in the context of everything else that I had to do that really was higher priority. That was just the decision. However, I will say that, um, his name, the, the, the guy who recorded it, his name is Elliot. I think he did a, a great job. So yeah. if I do record it again myself, it's not because I'm unhappy with his work. It's only just for the reason that you gave. I, I do think it is at yeah. least a slightly better experience for the listener. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, let's let's start getting into this. So in my lead in, this is important because I get a lot of questions from personal trainers about becoming entrepreneurs and what's my what's next. Uh, and, and this is what I think is important that you did, where it's like you didn't wait for somebody to do it for you. You took the initiative and you started writing. Uh, and as you said, there was, you know, in the first week, maybe 20 books got sold. And for you that you were like, that's a home run, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of times you do something out of passion. You do something because you, you feel the need to make something happen. A lot of times people feel the need to not create the journey, but just to end in a successful place at the end. I want a I want money. I want a boat. I want my own helicopter, whatever it is, you know, people are, are giving these kind of big, until you learn boats. how much money it costs to even just own those things, not, not yeah, just right. buy well, them and then own too. them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, but I'm talking about like the process, right? Loving the process that, that feeds into a, a, financial end result that is beneficial, right? So um, you didn't know it was going to happen. Can you speak to that and the journey and the drive and the passion that as you're writing, I'm sure, because I know that I've, I've done this too, when I sit down to write is I'm like, is anybody really going to read this? Am I spending all of my time where I could be doing something else, yep. doing this and that nobody may end up touching, 
right? So where give us a little bit of that potential ambivalence that's there and, and what drove you through it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, in the beginning, again, it started, it started with a book, which is an unusual place to start often. Uh, it, it would start with building a readership elsewhere, and then mm. writing the book, maybe, maybe start with blogging, for example, I mean, social media is bigger now than it was then. So you could, you could think of that as micro blogging, maybe, and building a following, um, getting your ideas out there into the marketplace, so to speak, and getting feedback quickly before you put a lot of time into something to find out that it has completely missed the mark, which um, is how I approach my content creation uh, now. I'm, I'm more methodical about it now than I was early on, but that is partly because my time is, I'm stretched thinner now than I was back then between work and family and social obligations. And so I feel like I have to be um, a bit stingier with my time and I have less time that I'm willing to give to just completely speculative activities. However, um, if I rewind to the beginning, I had a lot more just, I guess you could say free time, but I had fewer things that required my time. And so there was less pressure for me, at least personally, to try to um, maximize the utility of every minute of time that I put into things. Mm -hmm. And so, so I understand, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, um, in the beginning, however, I had a, I guess I had a, the luxury of, uh, just, I mean, bigger than you're stronger. So when I worked, when I wrote that first edition, it was a nights and weekends thing. And it was something that I also personally was interested in. And this is, this is something that has become more important to me in my work as time has gone on. And I've, I've, especially over the last year, um, optimized a lot of my work to allow me to work more on things that I genuinely enjoy. And I would, I would liken it to working out where even if you have a great training program and you're making progress and generally things are, are going quite well, you don't love every workout. You just don't. There are some days you just don't want to do it. There are some workouts. You just have to grind one rep, one set at a time. However, you always enjoy having worked out, right? And so I, in my experience, work, even work that I'm drawn to and I generally enjoy, it's like that. There are some days where it's not so enjoyable. However, uh, after doing it, I always uh, am happy. I always enjoy that I did do it. And so um, for me in the beginning, it was a genuine interest in um, writing. So that's something I genuinely enjoy. Yeah. And I, I also would not recommend that somebody try to create a career or a brand around writing unless they really enjoy it because, well, I mean, that could be a whole nother discussion. But so for me, that was something that um, I, I, I got, I just, I still, I still, I just uh, get, it's the create creativity. There's something about creative work that just makes me feel good. I just like it. I don't know. I can't really explain it. Um, even in business, like my favorite aspect of business, and I've done a fair amount uh, over the last, you know, 10, nine, nine years or so of, of building up Legion. And of course, it's not just me. I have a whole team. I don't get all the credit, but I, I like marketing the most. And the reason I like marketing the most is because it, it's the most creative and that's the type of work that I like. So um, so I, I was drawn to the writing just because I wanted to do it and it was interesting to me. And also I was drawn to writing a book because I was interested in Amazon's self-publishing platform. And I was uh, just genuinely curious if I could make something work um, and uh, on their KDP platform. And so that was enough. Those two things alone were enough uh, for me to, to be motivated enough to put my outside of my normal work, uh, time into it. Um, however, I did also approach it with a minimum viable product, like an MVP kind of mentality where that first edition of the book, it was maybe 40 or 50,000 words and which might sound like a lot, but, um, it was, it was, it, it, it came together pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, I did 
go through a process of a couple of drafts and I did recruit a couple of people to read and just give me feedback, but I wasn't nearly as meticulous as, as I am now. Like I'm wrapping up, um, a, another book that's going to be out next year. And, uh, now I put a lot more time into, and I have a much more robust process, uh, because, uh, now that I have an established readership, people expect a certain standard of quality, uh, that, is reflected in my other work that uh, some people like, some people don't, but I need to make sure that I don't put something out that is, that is unpolished. However, uh, I didn't have that constraint early on. And the mm -hmm. first edition, I look at it now and I hate it. I hate every page. I hate every, I hate uh, everything uh, about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, however, at the time I, I, I was at least self-aware enough to know, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. I had, I didn't know, I thought, okay, I published this book. And there's a 50, 50 chance it sells zero copies or not zero copies. I, I, I really had no expectations beyond that. Uh, I was just interested enough in putting it together. And I thought the opportunity was interesting and I was interested in Amazon's platform. So I, I pursued it. And so, yeah. um, to, to, to make sure that I answered your question, it, it really was me following my interests, things that, that drew me in that I wanted to do that I would find myself thinking about when I'm not doing it or ideating on, Oh, I could do this. And Oh, that's cool. Where there's again, like I, I felt a, a bit of a compulsion. There's something compelling me to go work on it. Like write that next chapter. Oh, that could be interesting. Yeah. yeah I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie and my guest today, Mike Matthews, the owner of Legion fitness is talking to us about, um, business and life in the fitness industry. And I want to make comments, something you said. It's in the first edition, uh, you, you know, basically appalled by it. But here's the thing. The, the first edition meant something to somebody. It meant something to many people. It wasn't perfect. Yep. Uh, when I look back on my early training days and I think about the workouts that I gave people, they may have been fun, but they were far from perfect. They were far from you know, a, a progressive systematic approach to, to progress and gains. When I look back at the first gym I opened, I had like metal and wood shelves from Home Depot because I couldn't afford the fancy ones from, uh, you know, Escape Fitness or some other kind of fancy fitness design company. Um, it's, it's there for a reason. I think one of the, the issues that arise with people that keep them from pushing forward is the it's not perfect enough. It's not the right time. It's not the best outcome. These aren't the best. Even if you think it is at the time, you know, looking back on it, it tends to not be because we progress. Um, what do you think about that for these CPTs or certified personal trainers within NASM who are looking for that what's next, but feel they're not smart enough, they're not good enough, they're not um, seasoned enough? When does enough happen or do you just go start working? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it speaks to something we we probably all deal with, uh, really, really experts in, in any field deal with, and that is imposter syndrome and self-doubt. And sure. I think, I, I think that this is how I've always thought about it is I understand the root of the concern because objectively it can be true that somebody does not know enough to pursue a career yet. For example, if somebody has done no Let's just, let's just speak with CPTs. Let, let's say they've not taken a single um, high quality, well-sourced, evidence-based course, like a lot of the material that NASM uh, offers. And let's say they've, they've browsed around on, uh, on social media and, and they've picked up things from, from various people on social media. And that's the extent of their education. And they're concerned that Maybe they don't know enough. I actually, I understand that concern. I would say it's even appropriate. Me personally, I, I wouldn't start training people if that's the extent of my understanding, because I would know that uh, people are trusting me with their health. They're trusting me uh, with 
with their fitness goals, which the, there are emotional components and psychological components and so forth. And so uh, how, how I've always approached it is be willing to put in the work to reach uh, a level of understanding that um, is, let's say, commensurate with the job that I'm trying to do for people. And so in the case of, let's say, um, training, and, and I'm going to include diet in this as well, nutrition coaching and, and training coaching. There are many different types of customers out there who are looking to do very specific things, who are looking to, let's, let's use a, a jobs to be done mindset, that, which is a marketing theory that I, that I really like, or a, a marketing framework. And, and the concept is that people don't buy products and services just to buy products and services or just because of functional components and things that those products and services can do. More specifically, they buy products and services to fulfill certain jobs that they want to have done in their life or they want to do. And, and, the, and the job is they want to make progress uh, of a certain kind in a certain area of your life, of their life under certain circumstances. They want to overcome problems. They want to eliminate frustrations. They want to make progress toward goals and aspirations. And so in the, in the world of fitness, there are many different types of people that cluster around jobs. Uh, now, early on, I decided to focus on the people out there who were looking to hire for a, a particular job. So these are people who care about their fitness, but they're not fitness professionals. They're not professional athletes. Uh, they don't have 10 plus hours a week to give to their fitness. They have a few hours a week and they understand that they are not going to achieve the, the physique or the level of performance that a high level athlete would expect to achieve uh, or a, or a physique competitor would, would expect to achieve. They're just looking to get into great shape and stay that way without getting hurt. And, and so that's a, that's a specific job that people are looking to hire for. And what does that mean? Okay. So to deliver on that job, you have to know how to set up people's diets so they can reliably lose fat. There's usually fat loss in it so they can reliably lose fat so they can gain muscle, so they can improve various aspects of their health. And so they can do it eating foods that they enjoy it needs to be a lifestyle, not a crash diet or not a short term solution. And then on the training side of things, uh, you need to show them how to gain, um, I mean, to put very specific numbers to it in men, it's probably on average 20 to 25 pounds of muscle. And in women, it's probably 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in the right places on their body. And if they can do that, and get their body fat percentage down to in men, it's usually somewhere between 10 and 15%. In women, it's something between 20 and 25%. They are uh, thrilled. That's the job. They want to get there and then they want to stay there. And so for that job, and I'm again, just walking through my own process. I mean, this was early on when yeah. I kind of went through this for myself, I was, I would say that, um, I just, I just said, okay, so what do I need to know to be able to reliably deliver on that, to do that job for people? And, and that also means to avoid, um, complications, to avoid injury, to avoid the, the negative things that would also be a part of that job. And, and so I, myself, I, I had mentioned actually early on when I, when I came, when I started to look into the kind of the evidence-based fitness community, which is now much larger and uh, more easily accessible it than it was back yeah. then. Um, but fortunately, I, I found my way to um, to a handful of people whose work uh, resonated with me. I saw results in my own training. I started working with other people, started with just friends and family who saw changes in my physique and were asking, yeah. like, what are you doing? And so I would just invite them to come work out with me. I would explain the diet side of things. I'd run them through, through the training program. And so I saw this was, this was, uh, this was repeatable. There was a scientific element to this evidence-based fitness. If you followed these, uh, these principles, you reliably got results. And so once I object, once I honestly felt that I knew enough to do this job well, and that I wasn't, there weren't any major gaps in my understanding and, uh, I was able to field the vast majority of the questions that people had, um, that's when I felt comfortable writing bigger, leaner, stronger and putting okay. myself out there as an expert. 
Now, where I was not comfortable, for example, is oh, working with, yeah, with professional athletes. I've turned away okay. a number of professional athletes over the years uh, only because I honestly didn't feel comfortable um, with delivering the job that they needed, which was very different than the job that I've been doing for 10, 11 plus years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also especially with, with professional athletes, I am, I, I just, that that's their livelihood. And so right. there's, there's a lot of responsibility, I believe that comes with that. If you're going to, um, create training programs and if you're going to create diet programs, more so on the training side of things for professional athletes. And so I just didn't feel like I knew enough to deliver exactly what they were going to need. And given my, uh, I mentioned, you know, my time, I, I have to be pretty regimented with where I put time into what it just, it didn't really, wasn't feasible for me to put things on hold and, um, study in, in an area that, um, which, which is more related to, um, peak athletic performance rather than physique and body composition transformation, which is what I've focused on. And so, uh, I, I just, I, I, you know, explained this to them and, and, and pointed them to some other resources and some other people who, uh, I felt could do the job better than I could. And so in a sense, uh, just have, uh, have kind of stuck again to, an area that I feel very comfortable. Uh, I've, right. I've educated myself thoroughly. Nobody could, could claim otherwise I could defend that in a court of law if I had to, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I've kind of approached it. That's a, that's a good approach. I gotta be honest. Now, when you start going from creating these coaching and working with people and focusing on body composition and then writing a book about it. Um, but then it's blossomed, right? There's, there's a lot more. So when did it go from the book to the business owner? When did the supplement platform come about? And what, what was it about the supplements that you were like, I would like to get it because we talk about holes in the market. There aren't a lot of holes in the supplement market. In fact, it is overwhelmingly saturated. So where do you like, elbow in a little space and be like, guys, let me, let me have a seat at this table. So from, from that to the, the coaching, cause I know on the website, uh, Legion athletics has uh, coaching on the website as well. Like what, what bubbled up and led to these things where you go into, um, supplement production and then into coaching and created this kind of very thorough business that you have. Great question. So, so it started bigger, leaner, stronger, and that book, um, by, I think in the first, I don't know, I think it was the first week. I think it was the first month it sold 20 copies, but again, I was like, Hey, so, uh, it's yeah. not zero. So, right. so I'm, I'm already winning. Um, and, and then by the end of the first year, it was selling several thousand copies a month. And, uh, it, it, it had started on that kind of exponential growth curve, um, was getting good word of mouth and, I, I put an email uh, in, I mean, I, I still have my email address in the book to today and I still spend time every day answering people's emails. Nice. And, um, so I was getting more and more emails, people asking good questions, making suggestions. And so I was making notes, uh, I was already thinking with releasing a second edition and, um, that's of course users of your product and service are the best place to, to get ideas for improving the product and service. And so, um, so I started that process. And then I also though was getting emails from a lot of women who were reading the book and they were saying, I don't, I like the information in the book. I don't want to be bigger. Uh, the leaner and stronger sounds great. Uh, what do I need to change? And also bigger, leaner, stronger, I mean, clearly written for men. And, uh, uh there are principles in that book that are universal, but there's material in that book that really is aimed at men. And, and if I were at the time, I was like, if I had a book for women, I would take that material out and I'd put different material in that's more specific, particularly for women. I also would change the, the, the programming a bit. And so that's where I got the idea for the women's book, because it was just happening so much where it was clear that, okay, I, I need to, I need to 
take this book and um, I, I need to adapt it for women. I need to, of course, make all the examples now related to women. I need to take out the male only material. I need to put female only material. I need to change the train the training to reflect uh, your your average woman's body composition and just physique goals versus your average man's and so forth. And so I followed it up with uh, thinner, leaner, stronger, which I actually liked the title fitter, leaner, stronger more. Oh, yeah, but because because not all women want to be thinner per se. And that, uh, that you only want to be so thin, uh, until it can become a problem. Whereas technically you could always be fitter and it would be a good thing. And right. uh, however, however, in, in surveying, uh, women who were reaching out to me, uh, the, the some different title ideas, uh, thinner, leaner, stronger, just surveyed so much better. Women okay. much preferred thinner, leaner, stronger as a title. So I went with thinner, leaner, stronger. And uh, so I then followed up with a cookbook. And so I kept going with the books because I was enjoying it first and foremost. It was, it was fun to work on. It was nice to see that it was doing something, that it actually was helping people. People were buying the book. People were getting results and emailing me before and after pictures. And so uh, there was, there was uh, already that, that, uh, that impetus and, and, I, and I had that momentum. And so I was, I was just, um, just riding it. And, okay. and then in March of 2013, I launched a website, muscleforlife.com, which was just a glorified blog. And at the time, it was much easier to rank in Google um, for health and fitness material than it is now. Okay. And so I was writing, I want to say, I want to say I started with two or three longer form, two or 3,000 word articles per week. Um, I also had been building an email list from the beginning using bonus content for, uh, for my books. And the bonus content was useful stuff, not just like, oh, uh, a quote unquote hidden chapter, which was like a throwaway chapter that wasn't good enough to make it into the book. <laughs> it was, it was some, it was some spreadsheet. Don't let it go to waste. Don't yeah. Let it go to waste. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I know. I know. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But, uh, if, if you're going to make a, a, a strong offer, there is some friction if you're asking for somebody's email address. And so, um, I, I figured I want to make a really strong offer. I want to, I want to make sure I understand the the quote unquote job that, that this bonus material could do. And it's not just, here's a little bit more material. You already read a lot of material. No, I want to, I want to cater to the people who want to start on the program. So what can I give them? Cool. I can, I can create a year's worth of workouts and put them in spreadsheets uh, that put them in an Excel, also put them in a Google sheet so they can just pull up on their phone, make it real easy. I can give them pre-made meal plans um, that, that show the principles that they learned. They can also just grab the meal plan and go if they want, or they can modify it based on what they've learned. I can include some tools to help them if they want to understand their approximate total daily energy expenditure and blah, blah, blah. So, um, so I, I had been building an email list, um, from, from the beginning as well. I launched muscle for life. And by the end of 2013, it was getting about 700,000 visits a month from Google. And I, I also was doing some simple, email marketing tactics on the website to, to build that, uh, to build that list further. And I had a section on that website called recommendations and it was just stuff that I recommended. I wasn't paid to recommend any of it or endorse any of it. It, I I was simply following questions that people were asking me. Most of it was fitness stuff. Um, whether, whether it was what kind of straps do I like to use and when do I, do I use straps or not? What type of knee sleeves I like to, uh, not all the time, but generally like to squat in knee sleeves. I think it's just a little bit more comfortable, not knee wraps, but just sleeves. Um, Mm -hmm. what type of squat shoes, blah, blah, blah. And, and supplements of course, were a very common question. Now at the time I wasn't using many supplements. I was using optimum nutrition's naturally flavored way. Uh, I would sometimes use their pre-workout. Sometimes I would just take a caffeine pill, like 200 milligrams of caffeine. Maybe that was two pills, but 200 milligrams in caffeine pills because I didn't drink coffee at the time. And so that was really my only source of caffeine. And I took a multivitamin and I believe creatine and, and that was it. And so I had these products up on the, the website in this recommendation. That's a pretty solid supplement routine, by the way. Yeah. 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 It was just the basics. It was, I mean, it's really, even now I would say uh, as as somebody who owns a supplement company that sells uh, uh, quite a few additional products, I mean, well, you don't need any supplements period. That's, that's the first thing that people need to know. They are supplementary by definition. You can achieve your health and fitness goals without 
swallowing a single pill or powder. However, if you have the budget and you have the inclination, there are some supplements that I think are worth considering. And, and the few nice. ones I, those are a few well that, said. um, I, I think are worth considering. I actually would, I would, I would put a pre-workout much lower on the list. I would, I would replace that with like a fish oil or some sort of omega three, for agree. example, yeah. before I would uh, bother with a pre-workout. But, um, I, I might've also been supplementing with a, with an omega three action now that I say that, uh, almost certainly was, I think it was Nordic naturals. That's what I was taking at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, so I had this little handful of supplements that I was taking, um, just, just the basics really had them up on the website and my endorsements were very lukewarm, um, because I just, I didn't care. I wasn't trying to sell people yeah. on the supplements. I really was just saying, Hey, this is what I'm taking and this is why. And, and I, I was quick to uh, uh, warn people in the case of like the whey protein that it tastes, I don't know if it still tastes but bad, but at the time it was nasty. It did not taste good. Uh, yeah. And there weren't, there weren't many options if you wanted something that was naturally sweetened and flavored. And the reason I did is not because I'm an alarmist about artificial sweeteners uh, and flavoring, certainly not, or artificial food dyes. I'm not. However, at the time, and, and I do believe that, that the, the current state of research on the matter would support this position at the time, it was more speculative, but I was speculating at the time that if somebody, um, who takes more supplements, then maybe they want a, uh, some sort of amino acid supplement, which I've never sold for reasons we could discuss if you wanted to, but, um, if you're going to take, let's just say eight to 10 servings of sucralose or ASK, um, or aspartame a day, every day, forever, it may not be great for your health, your gut health in particular. Mm -hmm. And I understand, and I'm not trying to alarm anybody. Um, I'm just saying that there is a, a growing body of evidence that would, that would support that. And in some people, it seems to be clearly the case, other people, not so much. So there might be an individual genetic component. Um, but I, I was already thinking about that just based on some stuff that I had read, some research that I had read that was exploratory, you know, 10, nine, 10 years ago and figured, okay, well, I don't care if the protein powder doesn't taste good. I'll just drink it down. And I don't really care if these other things don't taste very good. Um, and, and I'm fine with that. And so, so that was kind of my pitch for the protein powder was this is why I've chosen this one. Um, but I'm warning you, it doesn't taste good. So if you, <laughs> okay. if you value taste, yeah. uh, then I'm going to suggest going with something that's artificially sweetened and don't be, don't worry, don't worry about it. It's not going to ruin your health, but this is just why I chose this one. Sure. And, yeah. and, and the pre-workout was kind of the same where I, I liked the beta alanine. Uh, I liked the citrulline. Mm -hmm. I liked maybe one or two other ingredients. The dosing was not great. The citrulline was four grams and it really should be closer to six to eight grams. I think the beta alanine was also closer to two. It really should be, it might've been one and a half. It really should be like three, maybe a little bit more than three. Um, however, I think it's maybe better than nothing. Maybe it's just a placebo, but that's, that's where I'm at on the pre-workout. And so despite really not trying to sell people on the supplements, really just being honest about this is what I'm using and this is where I'm at on it. Uh, I was selling a lot of supplements because I was linking out to Amazon and I was participating in their affiliate program, not because it ever made that much money. I was just curious if anybody cared, like, does anybody uh, buy, yeah. does anybody buy anything based on my recommendations? Yeah. And people were buying a lot of things based on my recommendations. Nice. And so that was a clear market signal, so to speak, that I, I, I could then recommend more things and different things and find and put some more work into this. And, uh, yeah. it could, it could become a, an additional source of revenue and it could also do an important job, so to speak for, for, for people who liked me and liked my work and did care. And so that's really where the concept for Legion, uh, that that's how it came about because I remember looking around like, okay, I'm going to get serious about searching for supplements. I never took them seriously, but I'm going to get serious about looking for a company that I could really get behind that, uh, that is doing it the way that at least let's say 80% of the way that I would do it. And I would like it to be done. Like I have a very specific job that I'm looking to hire here for. Right. And, right. um, and it didn't exist. 
there, there now are okay. probably a couple I could think of kind of Legion clones. And I don't say that because I'm bitter. It's just obvious. Like they came later and even copied yeah. formulations and stuff and it's fine. But those companies didn't exist at the time. So, so, um, I, I thought that was interesting and it was clear to me that, uh, I had enough, I think at the time I had maybe a hundred thousand people on my email lists and I was getting wow. traffic. I was getting traffic to the website and I was selling, I don't remember the exact number. It wasn't over a hundred thousand dollars a month. It was probably 60 to a hundred thousand dollars a month in trackable sales through Amazon's, you know, little program. And, uh, I, that's net for them or sales for them, not net for me. And, uh, and so, so it was clear that I, I don't, I wasn't sure that it could blossom into a successful business per se, but there was no risk in, uh, in trying, I wasn't going to get stuck yeah. with, I think that initial order was $80,000 of, of stuff. And, um, I wasn't going to get stuck with it. I, it was going to sell and, right. and then, and then, uh, I could see where, where it went from there. And, uh, so that, that, that's how I'll, I'll stop there. If you want to follow up with, with questions, I don't want to talk forever, but that's how, yeah. it, that's, that's how it started. <laughs> and again, it was very similar to the book. It was, uh, I have a job myself that I want done. And because of that, I understand it deeply understand the functionality that I want. I understand the social component of what I want. I understand the emotional psychological component of what, what I want. I understand the experience that I want. And I was betting that there were a lot of other people out there like me who were hiring for that job, so to speak. Right. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, again, this is the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I got a guest with us, Mike Matthews, who's the owner of Legion Fitness. So we need to take this opportunity because we've been we've been on the on the horn for a little while. So as we start to wind this down, um, I'd like for you to just share uh, is, you know, how do they find you? How do they find your supplement company? Is there an opportunity, you know, put you on the spot right here in front of everybody uh, to potentially create some kind of discount for the listeners that are with us? So, uh, and if you do agree to it, we'll we'll add this post into the uh, the show notes just to let the NASM family, the here, the listeners, that uh, they get an opportunity to go to your site and start checking out some of the stuff that you recommend, but now also produce. So uh, tell us a little more how direct them to where to go. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first, let's definitely create uh, so we can we can put together some some Perfect. nice little deal discount of some kind. Or thank you. Well, let's 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 do it for sure. Um, and as for where people can find me in my work, um, I guess my my kind of online hub is legionathletics.com. Uh, I, I would love it, it to be legion.com, but unfortunately that's owned by a huge software company that may be willing to sell it at some point, but for millions of dollars, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if that's worth <laughs> it at this point, uh, but legionathletics.com is, uh, is where people can find not just legions supplements, but also if you head over to the blog uh, that has everything that I've written going all the way back to 2013, because what we ended up doing is we ended up merging muscleforlife.com into Legion's website, into Legion's blog, just because after Legion launched, I was then writing for Legion's website. Legion had a blog and I was writing for Muscle for Life. And there was a point where it, it just didn't really make sense uh, given that, that Muscle for Life is really just kind of a blog. Why don't I merge those together and and Perfect. then I'll just continue writing at Legion. So um, people can find, I mean, there's probably at this point, a couple million words of, of material on I've, oh I've written on all kinds of stuff over the years. So lots of material there. People can find my podcast on the website or just elsewhere. Muscle for life is the podcast. I'm on social media. I'm not very active on Instagram at the moment, but I am working with a couple people who um, are going to help me with just, uh, I have no, I have no issue creating the content, but there's all the additional work that goes into running a content schedule and little content machine yeah. that, um, I just need some help with time-wise. And so we're putting together the final details on how it's going to work. And then I'll be more active on Instagram basically. Um, and, and so, uh, I, I'm also though, I'm, I'm on X as well, where 
I am a bit more active because I like right. to use X to kind of test ideas and, you know, going all the way back to something that you mentioned as a content creator. And, and this would, this would be, uh, anybody listening who creates content can relate to what you were saying, where you're working on something. And even if you enjoy working on it, uh, you wonder, is anybody going to read this? Is anybody going to care? Yeah. Or, or maybe you have enough people, enough of a following where some people are going to read it, but you inevitably have that experience where you work on something and you're like, this is great. Uh, I did a really good job on this and you put it out and it just fizzles. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't get shared around much, doesn't get much engagement. And, and then there are pieces where you're kind of, it's good enough to put out there. You're not impressed yourself. And, and then it just blows up. And sometimes there doesn't seem to really be any rhyme or reason. And so uh, something that I've, uh, that I've, uh, been more uh, talking about how I got more methodical in my content creation. I now like to test ideas on social media, test even phrasings of things and track performance. We have a little system that then just helps me. Then when I am going to take something and expand it into an article or expand mm -hmm. it into maybe even a chapter in a book, and maybe I now I'm going to be able to sprinkle in other things that have been tested. It allows me to, to engineer the engagement to some degree where at least now I can have a little bit more confidence that, that people who like me in my work have told me they like this. So I'm going to take yeah, yeah. that. I'm going to put it on the short list and I'm going to do something with that. And so uh, over on X, I'm, I'm uh, muscle okay. for life is my handle there. I'm a little bit more active there. Perfect. Perfect. And I want to say to you, thank you very much for being on the NASM CPT podcast. It's nice just to, to have you from a couple of different perspectives, but obviously I kind of went a little more about the, the entrepreneur, but the entrepreneur in you also moves into, this is my fitness story. This is um, the, the business. And these are all the businesses that help us, but also just trying to like spark interest within the community that says you can do this too, right? So it's a it's a possibility as people who are becoming more seasoned and they're trying to figure out what's next to unshackle them and let them know that there are other things that are possible. So for that, I want to say thank you. And for those who stuck around to the end, I want to say thank you very much for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family and keep inspiring people to fitness. You want to reach out to me, you can do so. Hit me up at rick.richie at nasm.org or on Instagram and threads at dr.rickrichie. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Love it. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll catch you on the next one. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.